Our scripture reading this morning, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. So again, that's the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. Again, Jesus says, said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. So as we, uh, as we just read in that scripture, uh, this morning, um, and as Manuel has mentioned earlier, this is Pentecost Sunday which is a very important um, uh, day for us as followers of Christ. Um, Pentecost is actually a Greek word uh, that was named later um, after Jesus' time. Pentecost actually began in the Old Testament as a celebration for the important wheat harvest in Israel that would come twice a year, and, and one of those times is in the spring. So it was called the Feast of Weeks originally. Um, and then it also became a celebration for uh, the legacy of Moses, so the Exodus out of Egypt, the Ten Commandments, the giving of the Ten Commandments, uh, the Torah. For those of us who follow Christ as Christians, this marks the momentous event of the coming of the Holy Spirit, like we just read, um, and marks the beginning of the church, which was, for all who have read the first couple of chapters of uh, Acts, is a very exciting, was a very exciting time um, in our history, um, in our church. But it's also um, it's also notable the contrast to how exciting the time of Pentecost was, the coming of the Holy Spirit to Jesus' disciples and to all people, how exciting that was to contrast it with the time that the disciples just came off. And if we back up, now Pentecost, the Greek word actually means 50. It's roughly 50 days after, after Easter, after Passover. Um, so it was coming off this, but before that, it was coming off the time of the crucifixion. Um, so Jesus was crucified. Um, his followers, um, he didn't do, Jesus didn't do what his followers necessarily wanted him to do or what they expected their Messiah to do. He didn't overthrow the Roman powers uh, that were occupying um, Israel at that time. Um, and so here was this small band of believers who had to be shocked and horrified to see him suffer and die on the cross. And they wake up the next morning and Rome, the power that be of that time, is still in control of things. And here they are, a small movement of people without their charismatic and powerful leader, and they must have felt powerless. Now, obviously, hope began anew and fresh with the resurrection. And then it was completed. Hope came in all of its fullness with Pentecost, with the event of Pentecost. Because now the disciples have the spirit of the living God to empower and to guide them. And what strikes me whenever I read this about this time in our church history um, and the start of the church is how exciting it must have been. Anything must, it must have felt that anything was possible because it was. The world must have seemed new and fresh and, and crackling with <laughs> newity, <laughs> with newness. Um, because they knew that God was going to use them to change the world. It makes me kind of jealous, to be honest, when I read the book of Acts. It makes me envious 
to think of what these first disciples and followers of Christ got to experience. Uh, can you imagine how incredibly exhilarating it must have been to be a part of the early church? Small renegade groups and, and churches popping up everywhere and growing um, quickly and experiencing the, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit just doing amazing things in their presence and through them. And just like the disciples who experienced the first Pentecost, this Sunday represents for us a beginning and the excitement that comes with a beginning. Um, but it's not just, you know, your everyday new beginning. This is a beginning that comes with the incredible power and effect that the Spirit brings. The Spirit that came, as Manuel said before, not just for the disciples, but for all people. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what the Spirit is about. This is the character of the Spirit. This is what flows from the Spirit. And the very early church was experiencing these fruits in abundance. Tremendous things were happening. And if I'm being honest, I wish I had more experiences, I'm speaking personally, with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know the tendency, and I can fall into this too, is to think that the movement of the Holy Spirit has to be big and dramatic, or we can tend to, I can, tend to reduce the movement of the Holy Spirit down to uh, feelings. When in fact the Holy Spirit is much more than that. And, and I know moves and acts through the mundane and ordinary and small movements of our lives. But for the purposes of, our, of me speaking this morning, um, I, wanna, I want to uh, focus on the other experiences I've had. Um, and I can count them probably on one hand. Um, and I don't know how to categorize them other than saying, bigger experiences, or maybe a better way would be to say um, pure, free experiences with the Holy Spirit. Most were um, when I was younger. One in particular was on a retreat that actually O'Kills did. And forgive me, I, uh, anyone who knows me knows I have a terrible memory. I don't remember where we were years ago. We went to the Bay Area, I think a retreat center. Um, and we had a time of prayer and worship that was so freeing, so pure, so spirit-filled, I remember feeling like I was walking on air, walking on sunshine, if you will. Um, I didn't have a worry in the world. And it's in these moments that I've had, these big moments with the Holy Spirit, few, like I said, um, that the, f- the fruits of the Spirit have just flowed out of me. Um, it seems like it hardly takes any effort. They just, they just come out. Um, it doesn't take a great effort or intention to encourage um, other people, because um, normally it does. I think it takes a great effort for me, at least, um, to, incur- to be intentional to encourage others and to be significantly present at times, but not during these times when it could not be easier. Goodness and impurity of my intentions, my motivations, joy, they just come out. They spill out of me. My motivations come so purely and so easily. I forget myself in the most wonderful way, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced this when you just forget about yourself. Because you're in contact with the Spirit. You forget about your self-focus, your worries, your stress, all the things you were, your narcissism, all that just kind of evaporates into the air. It's really amazing. And then other people around me become instantly more important than me. And I get a glimpse of what life is actually supposed to look like. Um, truly incredible to experience God's Holy Spirit. It's like a glimpse for a moment into what life can really be like 
what it was really truly meant to be like and what it will be. Um, it's where all what's, what's potentially possible you can see and where all the, what is beautiful you can see. And these experiences with the Spirit are so off the charts awesome, it makes me realize how great and amazing a gift Jesus gave us, the disciples and us, on Pentecost. These fruits of the Spirit are what Jesus were, was all about. They flowed from Him all the time. Um, and I think that's why it must have been so in, just, just life-changing even to be in Jesus' presence because the fruits were flowing out all the time. Um, they are also the characteristics of the kingdom of God. We have the opportunity to live in that kingdom right now, which means we have the opportunity right now to experience the fruits of the Spirit. These fruits should be a focus of ours as followers. We are a part of Jesus' new plan, his plan to renew, to regenerate, and to reform the world. It has begun. And yet, so often these days, and maybe especially during these, these COVID, these crazy COVID days, I wonder to what extent the Christian world is living out the new beginning and exciting possibilities that come with Pentecost, that came with Pentecost. And this is a question that extends to myself first and foremost. But I'll pose the question to you. Do we, and by we I mean Christian community, do we seem focused on God's ability to overcome the brokenness of our world? Or do we instead engage and focus on the hopelessness for our world? Do we seem focused on the end of things and the hopelessness? Um, maybe we're focused on the decay of the moral fabric of our culture, or maybe we're focused on the decay and end of the church's influence on our culture. Or instead, are we focused on the promise of our future? The future that's right here, right now, but the future that's going into eternity. Do we seem awash in judgment and critique and pine for better days? Or do we instead seem focused on injecting goodness, kindness, peace, and self-control into the world right now? In this COVID period, have we Christ followers allowed dread and foreboding to seep into our worldview and our everyday experience of life? The danger, and I think the danger of all of this is pretty obvious, is that it, it serves to, it, this leads us down negative pathways and takes our focus off of the rebirth and renewal that is actually happening, that God is actually doing in the world right now. We can quickly find ourselves marinating in a very negative place that, if we're being honest, doesn't really involve God. It becomes about us and our importance, and we become detached from the fruits that come from a relationship with the very real living God. I have found myself guilty of this more than I would like to admit. Anger and judgment and reaction to all that I see that is wrong in the world, and there's a lot right now, are easy places for me to go. But unfortunately, they're lowest common denominators. They don't require much for me to access. They can just be cheap. But they're also not what defines life in the kingdom. They're not what we want. They're about what we want in any given situation, not necessarily about how God might be bringing about his purposes. Here's the rub I think for us as Christ followers, if we believe in the good news of the gospel, if we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, if we believe he gifted the disciples and his followers with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, this means we believe that they, the disciples, and us today are a part of an amazing beginning. The beginning of a new movement, what they called 
the way of Jesus. Where new life in the kingdom can be experienced. Where change and renewal and regeneration have all begun and will continue until Christ comes again and sets all things right. When massive renewal and regeneration happens on an epic scale. Being part of this movement means that we should be about and focused on all the good that God is currently doing in our world. We are agents that have a job. And our job is to help usher in his shalom. We are a part of a movement of hope. And we are merely still in the opening chapters of the book of eternity. There is still a lot to happen. There is a lot of life to live yet. There's a lot of growth to happen right now in our lives. So my question is, do you believe that? Do you believe we are at the beginning? Do you believe that God is at work and that his spirit is leading us in paths of redemption? Where has your soul been lately on this topic? Are you experiencing the hope that came with Pentecost, that comes with Pentecost? Are you focused on the hope of the future and the promise of life right now? Or is your focus on the past, full of foreboding and fear for the present and the future? These should serve as big, red, glaring warning signs to us that something is wrong. It's a miss for us in our soul, that our focus is off. This COVID period has been tough, just difficult. We can all agree on that, and we're all chomping at the bit to return to normal. But the world has been through tough times before. In fact, much tougher times before. And I think it's remarkable, and I hope you do too, I think it's remarkable how the fruits of the Spirit and the joy and hope of the good news of the Gospel have been lived out in every horrible and difficult phase this world has ever seen. His hope and joy have been present in the worst moments in our world's history. Heroes of our faith, Christ followers, through the centuries have clung to and experienced the fruits of the, of the Spirit in the worst possible places. In prisons, in the trenches, trench warfare of war, in concentration camps, in plagues, and so on and so on. We could go on and on and on. Steph and I recently, um, Steph and I, not just Stephanie, I was there too, um, recently watched a, a movie that was so powerful. Um, and if you have the cinematic patience for it, I recommend it. But I warn you, it's long and slow. It's three hours long. It's also very rich and beautiful. Um, it's, it's, a, uh, it's called A Hidden Life. It's based on the true story of an Austrian farmer who refused to take an oath and fight for the Nazis in World War II. In spite of tremendous pressure from his village, everybody was, was wanting him and, and pleading and begging for him to take this oath. And his life, and even his family was, was begging and pleading with him. And his life would have been so much easier by just giving in and taking this, this simple oath. But he is a different, he was a different man. By the way, this is based on a true story. He was a man of deep faith. I would say a man who was empowered with the Holy Spirit. He shows and showed unbelievable self-control, faithfulness, and forbearance. All fruits of the Spirit. Take any of the troubling things happening in the world right now, and there are a lot, as Mike said. COVID and the culture wars that have kind of hijacked it. The racism and horrific violence perpetrated most recently by members of the Minneapolis Police Department. 
and racism in general that continues to plague us as a country. The coming and current wave of mass unemployment, tribalism at a fever pitch, anxiety and suicide levels rising. The question then becomes for us as Christ followers, do we bring the fruits of the Spirit into these challenging situations? Do we bring love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control into these places? Is our presence marked by these fruits? Are we seeking, are we even interested in bringing them into this world? Or are we instead motivated to indulge our flesh and bring hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, and the like. And I, what I've just quoted is from Galatians 5.20, and it's right, it's um, Paul talking about the conflict between the flesh and the spirit, and, and he mentioned that list right before the fruits of the spirit. I would like to end, though, my time here this morning, uh, however, on another thing that this Sunday is about. As it's also Pentecost Sunday, for us, um, it's also Graduation Sunday. Um, and which means we have several, um, we've had several people who've just, from our church or connected to our church, who have just finished up school, um, or have finished, graduated to the next level of school. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna celebrate them in just a little bit here. But I think it's supremely important that those graduates and those ones advancing, that they know this morning on Pentecost Sunday that yes, they are graduating and advancing in a very trying time in our world. But we're not at the end. We're very much at the beginning of what God is doing and will do in our world. There are incredible and awesome times ahead of us. And I want to say that again, because if you don't hear anything else, this is the one thing um, I want you to hear. There are incredible and awesome times in front of us. In spite of all its brokenness, and there's plenty of brokenness, our world is also pretty amazing. And this world needs you graduates. There is a lot of work that needs to be done. It desperately, this world desperately needs the shalom and hope that comes when young people bravely follow Christ and help bring the fruits of his spirit into the world. Or, as Global Immersion co-founder John Huckins said in an email sent out just this last week, wake up. And may we remain awake to all that is beautiful and all that is broken around us. God is making all things new and we get to be a part of it. Amen. All right. I'm going to ask um, Brandon Kane to come on up here with us this morning. Hey, Brandon. How's it going? Good. And you? And also with you. And also with you. <laughs> Um, so how we're going to do this is we've got a number of um, people who are, like I said, either advancing um, to the next stage of schooling. And then some who have, uh, we're going to go for actually from fifth grade, fifth graders uh, who are graduating elementary school and going into middle school, middle school, middle schoolers graduating into high school. We have high schoolers uh, moving on to college, perhaps. Who knows? And then we have people from college age who are then uh, transitioning into their careers, 
whatever that may look like. Yes. So we got a, we got quite a few names here. We ask that you hold your applause to the end, um, so so as not to um, interfere. And Brandon and I will just go back and forth. So we will start with um, with fifth grade. So our fifth grade grads. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So uh, Judah O'Sullivan. Mason Huey. Jude Hauk. Torin Johnson. Dolly Grendel. Kaylin Dowd. Annabelle Lures. Salvador Valdez. William Bias. Shaden Chisholm. Uh, and and we, we just have to say, yeah. I forgot to say, forgive us if we butcher your name. Much grace is needed. Thank you. I was trying to start it on the wrong name. Yeah, so I, I started, yeah. It's oh, Let it's me do the next one. Fine. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yes. I never practiced these ones, Mike. Joshua <laughs> Chitrapu. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Hoekstra. Jaden Garcia. Wanda Spicer. All right. So those are our fifth grade. Let's go ahead and yes. Good job. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now we move on to middle school. So now those who have braved the wilds that is middle school and now are moving on to the new frontier of high school. Um, uh, Maddie Nunez. Christina Ortega. B.B. Glenn. Addison Milton. Ronan Gallagher. Sage Hansen. Sonora Fife. Josh Huey. Colin Gallagher. Q Slice. That's Quentin Houck. In case you didn't get that. Uh, Tyler Lawrence. Yes. All right, next we have those high schoolers who, and I know all these graduates, you're graduating in a unique time, but take solace in the fact that you can tell your kids years down the road that. You graduated during COVID, yeah. And no one else can say that. You may not want to say that, but you can say that. Okay. So let's, uh, let's go and do high school. Sophia Liberty. Josiah Glenn. Nathan Fiore. Rachel Oliver. Courtney Aiken. <laughs> um, Kehlani, uh, Hugendahl. Brooke Disney. Amanda Wright. Jonathan Sankari. All right, high schoolers. Yes. <laughs> Lastly, we have our, our college graduates. Um, was I first on this one? I can't remember. We're off. Okay, so here's our college graduates. Let's start with our Justin Luz, uh, who got his, uh, is a doctor of physical therapy. Isabel Lucan, bachelor's in psychology. Ashley Richards, audiology doctorate. Meryl Nosler, uh, master's in education literacy. Holly Carlson, Masters of Nursing. And it, Holly, congratulations. It only took 20 years. So good job. And Wei Fong, Bachelors in Computer Science. Allison Carlos, Masters of Divinity. And Abby Lucan, Juris Doctorate. Yeah. <laughs> Impressive how many Masters and Doctorates we just right. mentioned there. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and if you'd bow your heads with me at home too, I'm going to... Um, Pray a prayer blessing over them. Father, we, uh, we thank you for these graduates, Father, um, for those moving on, for those moving out of school, moving up in it. Um, Father, this um, graduation represents a tremendous amount of work, of consternation at times, um, stress, um, and just a, just a lot of work. And so, Father, we thank you, um, Lord, that we can, we live in a place and a time where we can learn, Father, um, 
and um, Lord, we can move on and we can um, we can work and we can do great things in this world. And so, Father, as they go out, I know as we just talked about, well, it's a difficult time in our world right now, and it's a difficult time, Father, to be graduating. Um, but Lord, these graduates and who they are, the character they have, and um, what they represent as followers of you, the world needs them, Father. And so bless them, be with them, and empower them through your amazing Holy Spirit, Lord, to, um, to impact this world, to bring your shalom, and, and be with them every step. Amen. Okay, um, we thought it would be fun, too, just to kind of celebrate them, to do just a real quick five-second dance party. So um, we're going to stand up, Brandon and I, and then we're going we're gonna to do a little five-second dance party. If you want to do it at home, um, I encourage you to do it. Um, if the graduates want to do it, then family, you should get up and embarrass them and do it right around them. Anyone here that wants to come on stage and be socially distanced, you guys should feel free. I see Miles Houck. No, no, he doesn't want to. Cody's allowed to come. Melby, anyone who wants to come up, and dance with us. And I didn't think anyone would, but that's okay. So on the count of three, we'll do a five-second dance party, and you should at home, too. You ready, Brandon? No. Okay. <laughs> One, two, three. Okay, that's good. All right, yes. Okay, graduates. All right, and I have a, a couple quick announcements before Mike comes up here and, and says a few words. Um we do have our graduation drive-through this evening, um, and that will be in the upper parking lot here at Oak Hills. Um, we're asking, or we're inviting uh, those who are graduating from fifth grade and moving into middle school to come between seven and seven thirty. We'd love to see you out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then all our other graduates from high school on up are, um, are, I'm sorry, from middle school on up are encouraged to come. From 7.30 to 9 o'clock, and we'll be out in the upper parking lot. Also, on our family auditorium building, the building we're in right now, on the front are posters of our graduates, uh, of our 8th grade uh, graduates. And if you'd like to come by sometime today and write a note of encouragement, we would love for that to happen. So feel free at any point today to do that. Thank you. Well, congratulations to all of the graduates. Something tells me if the people watching or even in this room would have known that what Brandon and Travis did counts as dancing, lots more people would have participated, I'm sure. So I can't wait to get home and see the video that Julie took of Isabel doing her little five-second dance. That should be fun. I have a couple of announcements to mention before we sign off for the day, and the first one has to do with the fact that there are lots of things going on, uh, ministry still happening, things happening with one of our ministry partners, Powerhouse, that we are excited about, and so I just want to give you a heads up to pay attention to the emails that come. Uh, we send them, we will be sending another one this week with information about some things happening at Powerhouse with some information about what we're planning next Sunday, which I'll talk about in a second. But it's important to pay attention to those emails. If you don't get those emails, or if you don't see it on our website, or you don't see it on the Facebook page, to let us know uh, by calling. And you'll be able to call this week, uh, and I'll explain that in a minute. But 
Lots of stuff going on, and we're trying to stay connected. And if you don't hear about it and you want to know about it, you can just call. So I want to talk about our reopening plan, just an update on that. First of all, related to the office here at the Oak Hills campus. And we will be reopening the office this Tuesday. Staff will be coming back uh, about midday on Tuesday. We have a uh, training time that is scheduled that Lorraine will be leading all of us through to give details regarding the new way we're going to have to be together as a staff for an indefinite amount of time, what it will look like, some of the protocols, some of the practices that we will uh, be asked to uphold. And so lots of rearranging and relearning that will be taking place. But we are opening the office back up this Tuesday starting at noon with this training time. And so I wanted to give you a heads up that if you call uh, now, uh, you'll somebody will be here. And if there are things that... Uh, you need, we can arrange for you to come by and meet with someone or pick things up. So that will be happening on Tuesday. Then regarding our weekend gatherings, as you know, we've been doing this online for a couple of months now. And our uh, what we've been doing is talking as an elder board about what's the process of reopening and getting back into our regular service time back in our regular auditorium where we all can be together. We've had those conversations as an elder board. We've had them as a staff. And we have been discussing them, I have been discussing those issues as well with the other pastors in the city of Folsom. And that's been a very fruitful and helpful part of this process. And at this point, we have decided, as have many of the other churches in town, to continue with our online gatherings for the immediate future. And that means over the next few weeks for sure, we will only be having the 10 o'clock online Service. We are going to, this is our last online gathering in this room. Next Sunday we'll be uh, streaming from our main auditorium. And so we're on our way to working back, but not yet ready to gather as a congregation. So stay tuned for more information. We'll probably be giving uh, updates on that every week or every other week. And again, you'll see things in emails as well. I do want to mention next Sunday's service on June 7th. That's our communion Sunday. We're going to try something a little bit different. We're going to have a shorter online service that will start at 10. And then we're going to invite you to get in your car and to drive over to the church campus. And we're going to have a drive-through communion celebration. And we're making plans and arrangements so that we can have the communion table outside. We will have the elements out there. We will proclaim the good news of Jesus as different cars come in. You're not going to be asked to all come at one time. You'll be given a window when you can come. And again, all these details will be sent to you this week. But uh, a safe way will safely serve the elements. And someone for each car that comes, there will be somebody who will, uh, just before you leave, that will offer a prayer and a blessing for the people who are in the car. So we are excited to have a little bit of connection with you and especially excited to celebrate the Lord's table which has become a crucial part of our connectedness as a congregation and of our worship together as the body of Christ. So as I mentioned, more details will come via email and will be on our website and Facebook page this week. And if uh, the week goes on and you haven't gotten that information, feel free to call and we will update you. Finally, like many of you, I'm sure I have myself been distressed by the killing of George Floyd by former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. And I've been disturbed as well by the riots and the violence that have occurred every night since 
George Floyd's murder. And I want to say something about this today to our Oak Hills family. Now, these comments that I'm going to share should not be heard as some sort of official statement coming from our church. They reflect what I think. They reflect uh, how I feel as I read about these events and listen to the reports and watch the various videos. In addition, my comments are not intended to be directed at the whole system or all of society because I am simply not qualified to make broad sweeping generalizations about such things. But as we've mentioned, today is Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit filling and empowering His people and the start of His church. And I think it's good for me and I think it's good for us to pay attention to what the Spirit may be up to in the midst of all this chaos surrounding George Floyd's murder. So again, I'm speaking to the Oak Hills family. These are things I've been feeling, thoughts I've been having. I'm speaking to our church community, to those who profess to love God and to follow in the way of Jesus Christ. I was sad when I read and heard and saw the video of George Floyd's murder by the police. I've thought often about his family ever since he was killed. I've thought about their broken hearts over the senseless, senseless death of someone they loved. I've thought about how the whole country is in uproar. There's all sorts of politicized statements that are happening. There's all sorts of debates and discussion and anger and violence. And in Minnesota and perhaps in other parts of the country, there is a family grieving the loss of someone they love. I've been sad reading and hearing and watching the subsequent violence and chaos erupting across our nation, often being directed at the police. I've been disturbed by the images of people burning down buildings and looting small businesses. The whole tragic mess grieves me. It grieves me as a Christian, it grieves me as a pastor, and it grieves me as a white person. And I imagine, by even mentioning, by just mentioning that I am grieved as a white person, I may have just lost some of you. Because I've said the magic words that summon your defensiveness. Here comes the political correctness, is perhaps a thought emerging in your mind. Or something like this, Mike's groping for just enough words to satisfy his conscience, but not too many words so to alienate the congregation. Well, I hope you can stay tuned for just a few seconds, because I think this matters. The murder of George Floyd was wrong. It was unnecessary. It was an egregious sin and an abuse of power. And it has once again awakened our nation to the evil of racism. And it has once again awakened me to the sin of racism. And where this sin might dwell in me. How it might hide behind seemingly benign attitudes or opinions or statements or remarks or silence. George Floyd was killed by a police officer whose soul could not handle the power his job imparted to him. And other officers stood by and watched this happen. And if I keep this event at arm's length and merely observe it from a distance as something they did to Mr. Floyd, it will not have any effect on me for very long. 
and I want it to, because I need it to, in part because I am white, and I live in a relatively safe enclave called Folsom, California, where it is rather easy to become numb to the reality of racism and to the pain it inflicts, and I don't want to become numb, or I don't want to become any number than I already am, and I don't want to avoid the painful reality of racism. And I don't want to spit up defensive explanations to fend off my role as a white person in perpetuating racism or deflect my responsibility as a Christian to confront racism. The problem of racism is too big and too real. And frankly, my heart is too prone to wander and too prone to self-justification. So I need to wrestle with the racism within me. Wrestle with it alone and wrestle with it perhaps even more so with others in community and in relationship. This is that important, I think, for those of us who follow Jesus because there is no place for racism in the heart of a Christian. Jesus, as we know, was diligent in showing his disciples that all are made in his image and all deserve dignity and respect and love. So we as Christ followers must keep inviting the Spirit of God in the words of Psalm 139 to search us and know our hearts and make our hearts known to us and root out and transform our racism. In addition... Once more, our nation is manifesting profound degrees of anger, division, and violence. The state of our nation's soul um, is being revealed. And we as the people of God, I would say, must reject all expressions of anger and division and violence. This is what Travis was getting at with the coming of the Holy Spirit, that his fruit would be cultivated within us, not anger and division and violence. We must incarnate as the people of God and model an alternative way of dealing with difficult issues. The soul of our nation, it seems to me, is in deep trouble. And we as the church, the people of Jesus, resurrection people, Pentecost people who are filled and empowered by God's Spirit must live our faith in every setting we are in and demonstrate a different way of being and a different way of responding to those with whom we disagree. What we think, what we say, what we laugh at, what we forward, what we don't say, it all matters. So I want to urge us to be extra cautious these days, among other things, about our social media presence. Social media is a temptation in divisive times like these that often seduces Christians into saying or posting or forwarding things that simply do not reflect the heart or attitude or character of Jesus Christ. So when in doubt, don't. And maybe even more so, when really confident, don't. It just fuels the fire. And we don't need more fire right now. We are living in chaotic days where people are hurting and hope seems to be fading. And our calling is to be the authentic people of God who respond to racism and other social ills in a manner that reflects the heart and the goodness of the one we follow, Jesus Christ. And I really don't know what we as a church can do to peacefully confront racism and protest it 
peacefully and catalyze change peacefully and incarnate the way of the kingdom in the midst of all this mess. But some of you might have a few ideas. And I think we need to think and pray about these things. Words and statements can only carry us so far. And maybe the time has come to ask Jesus what he would have us as Oak Hills Church do. Lastly, I believe the vast majority of those who work in law enforcement do so to protect and serve the rest of us, and they put their lives on the line every single day. They face violence every single day. A traffic stop can turn into their own death, and it happens on a regular basis. And the vast majority of those who work in law enforcement, who face violence every single day, hope to defuse the violence, and they work to defuse the violence. And they're trained to defuse the violence. And so the vast majority of those in law enforcement are extraordinary men and women. And I honor these men and women who put their lives on the line to keep our lives safe. So I will not, and I urge us to not, fall into the trap of making broad sweeping generalizations about the police. And again, in doing so, we fuel the fire and contribute to the chaos. And one thing we don't need more of right now is more fuel more fire, or more chaos. Well, thank you for being with us on this Pentecost Sunday. And as you leave, may the grace and the peace and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you all and flow through you all. Thanks for joining us.